0: Log Talk Radio.
1: And now, Geico's savings stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until. Savings were everywhere my pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings
2: were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes
1: and 15% or more in savings. Could be following you. I
0: got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. And he
1: of the month with your guest host Rocco P if if, uh, if was listening if Puggy was listening uh, I hope he would appreciate that retro that retro music there and if you know who that was if you don't know who that was that was a uh, run DMC with some friends or some other some other people last Friday nights of the month uh, I looked the calendar this week. I thought the show was next week, but next week, next Friday will be June. So we are back again. tonight. Uh, tonight's show is the Deep State Divided, the Deep State Divided, Trump versus the FBI, Trump versus the FBI. And as always, I want to use a popular story. And, and basically, last and what... I want to use a popular story. And explain it, and I think in the broader political context, as far as the political reality kind of thing that you wouldn't hear the perspective you wouldn't necessarily hear in uh, the world of uh, MSNBC versus Fox News, left versus right, liberal versus conservative, and all that good stuff. You may have heard there's been quite the uh, there's been quite the uproar over uh, President Trump. And uh, the story that will not go away um, that there was some type of collusion between the Trump campaign and certain facets of the Russian government. And the way the story has developed, the way the story has been told, it's changed, it's mutated. We'll look at it a little bit uh, in detail. But essentially, it goes like this uh, there was good reason to believe. That there was collusion, meaning uh, covert cooperation uh, with the Trump campaign in Russia to help Trump get elected. So, you probably heard that. It's probably nothing new. So, that is the story, and that's what resulted in the, uh, the appointment of Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Again, we'll look at that in a little bit more detail tonight. But, in order for that to be true, First, you'd have to prove that even if there was collusion, there's really two two pretty huge parts to, to this. Number one, you'd have to prove there's collusion. Number two, even if you did, which nothing has been shown that that's the case at all yet, even if you did prove that there was collusion between elements of the Trump campaign uh, and elements of the Russian government, then you'd also have to prove that such collusion did have any Demonstrable effect on the election does have any? So uh, this is where we're at. Then uh, this is where we're at. Then tonight, May twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. Let's uh, let's review a little bit in uh, case you didn't remember because a lot's happened over the last year year plus. Uh, James Comey was fired as FBI director by President Trump on Tuesday, May ninth, twenty seventeen. And there's a number of reasons uh, the president had uh, did that. There's a number of reasons that James Comey, as director of the FBI then, was terminated. Uh, so he was terminated. Then all of eight days later, Robert Mueller was appointed special counsel on Wednesday, May 17, 2017. So that was all of eight days later that, he, that Mueller was appointed special counsel. So this... Again, it's a story that uh, it's a story that hasn't died. It's a story that uh, I don't believe uh, will die for quite some time, and I think there's a reason. There's a lot of reasons for that. When you look at at this type of when you look at this story, like a lot of other things, it's been framed, as I said uh, already, it's been framed as left versus right. It's been framed as liberal versus conservative, Democrat versus Republican. And even deep state versus Trump, and the deep state element to me is very very interesting because the popular media media over the last year has jumped on that phrase which in the past they had you know, tremendously avoided and you know, you know Trump has talked about it openly too, and uh, if you haven't heard me speak before, you probably already know I would reject that left versus right paradigm. Uh, it's, uh, it's largely constructed. It's, it's foisted upon us. Yes, there's rhetoric. There's rhetoric between – there's a difference in rhetoric and what's said between the parties. But if you haven't noticed, nothing major changes in D.C. no matter who's in power, no matter what party controls the White House, no matter which party controls the Senate, no matter which party controls Congress. Nothing seems to, seems to change of significance. Uh, and I would say nothing seems. I would say, I would say uh, dogmatically, nothing does change significantly. And we see it now. The great example is you, you could dig up you could dig up the show I did uh, on uh, on the archives. In this show on Obamacare. Okay, how many Republicans ran as part of their platform? or who were new, who were new candidates, as well as as well as incumbents. How many ran, stating, elect me or reelect me," and I. I'll get rid of Obamacare, right? When, when Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoro, was in the White House, the Republicans voted to repeal all or part of, of Obamacare at least 20 times. The actual number slips. I, I didn't check that in my prep. I believe it was around 26 times to repeal all or part of it. And, of course, every time they did, they knew that would be vetoed by Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoro. So there's always an excuse for why either party can't do what they tell their constituents. There's always an excuse why either party can't do what they tell their voters they're, they're in power to do. And again, the Obamacare story is the most dramatic example of how you know we the people, the voters, are played, whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's, when I said it, it, exposes the inherent corruption and illusion of choice. Okay, voting to a large degree, it, it gives us the illusion of choice, or you could say the illusion of participation, uh, but I would say you know, the illusion of choice. So you do vote, so there is participation. But it's an, it's an illusion that there's significant difference and of course there'd be a difference than local elections different people could could you know, squeak in here and there but when it comes to d c the district of criminals uh remember there's only hundred senators and they fixed the number of people in the house years ago that was in the uh, the early 20th century so you got houses I think four hundred thirty five members so it's very difficult when you look at the amount of money to get elected. In any case, you know, yeah, I, I digress. When you look at the idea of, of the deep state, yes, the deep state is real. But you know, we'll see it as the program develops tonight. Is this simply a matter of elements in the deep state opposing President Donald J. Trump? Okay, is it? And if you can't guess, I would say no, for a lot of reasons we'll look at. As I've said before, I'll probably say again on this show, President Trump ran as an outsider. That was true. He never held political office. Uh, he ran as president for the Reform Party uh, nomination, uh, but that was it. I remember, way back in the day, Reform Party with Pat Buchanan, among some others. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't. He was an outsider. Yeah, he he was an outsider by and large. But on his administration I mean before he got into the White House and you just saw immediately when he chose Pence as his VP pick, yeah, you know, from Indiana, yeah, the conclusion to me, it was very clear, yeah, you know, it Trump was no real outsider. In other words, he surrounds himself by insiders. He surrounded himself by the same corrupt establishment that's been there. It's really no different. So, again, Trump's rhetoric was great when he was running. It, with some exceptions, I mean, he didn't care too much about, you know, the the Bill of Rights and the you know, due process. And uh, in that in that regard, he's been consistent. He didn't care about, you know, searching people without a warrant while he was running, as well as after. So he'd been doing that, incidentally, illegally in New York since 9/11. You know, did, you could be on the subway in New York City. And, yeah, you know, if you're a woman, you can have a purse. If you're a man, you can have a briefcase. Or, I guess, if you're a woman, you can have a briefcase. And these days, some men would have a purse, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> a police officer could just walk up to you and just search it if they want to. And, you know, Trump said on the campaign trail, he didn't think that was a bad idea. But he said great things. I mean, Trump said great things about you know, the Iraq War was disaster. Uh, if you look at the debate, I played part of that before the South Carolina primary. You know, Trump destroyed Jet Bush and really everyone else but particularly Jeb Bush anyone who's going to continue to say the Iraq war was good yeah trump pretty much destroyed him because the facts don't see you know, the facts support uh, that that position that it was an overwhelming disaster uh, before Saddam Hussein was removed from office. You may not know, particularly if you're a Christian, if you believe the Bible. If you say you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you say you're born again, you may not know that Iraq was a secular state before Saddam was deposed. After the U.S. invaded and installed the government of their choice, they made it an Islamic Republic. That's right. The life, The life, the everyday life for the vast majority of Iraqis was horribly, horribly damaged due to the U.S. invasion. That's not to say Saddam Hussein was a popular guy. Uh, Not at all. The U.S. came in, the U.S. military went in, destroyed the infrastructure, and then set up an Islamic State. Uh, I think about a quarter of the Iraqi population became refugees, but it was particularly hard on the Christian minority. It's been far, far worse for Christians in Iraq since the U.S. intervention. That's another reason you have to look beyond the headlines to see exactly what's going on. But Trump talked. Trump talked a great deal. He, he, he talked. He had a great. He had a great act when he was running, and that's what makes him particularly dangerous because he ran. The yeah was a fake outside. The gave was a fake populist. As far as far as Comey again, Trump fires Comey May ninth, twenty seventeen. All of eight days later, Robert Mueller is appointed special counsel. Now, quote, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein has appointed former FBI Director Robert Mueller to serve as special counsel to oversee the previously confirmed FBI investigation of Russian efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election and related matters. Quote, I have determined that a special counsel is necessary in order for the American people to have full confidence in the outcome Rosenstein said in that statement. This goes back to May 17th of last year. The letter announcing the appointment says that Mueller is authorized to investigate, quote, any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump and any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. The last part's pretty fascinating. Any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. So they basically wrote Mueller a blank check cuz you know what could arise or may arise from the investigation if they find out that you know some people uh if if they found out, you know as you know an absurd example, that you know everyone on the Trump campaign was uh, you know they're eating a lot of Russian food, then you know, that would be a matter of investigation. Uh, if they found out anyone in the Trump campaign was vacationing in any part of the world where there might be Russians that could be that may arise directly from the investigation. If anyone in the Trump campaign was using you know, a Russian dress, salad dressing, it you know, may arise directly or indirectly from the investigation. The White House released a brief statement that Wednesday night from the president saying that, quote, a thorough investigation will confirm what well, we already know that there was no collusion between my campaign and a foreign entity. And then uh, Trump concluded, or he continued, I look forward to the matter concluding quickly. Now it's been a year plus. So you get down to, uh, you get down to the animosity, the, uh, the uh, conflict then between Comey and the president. And the first question would be, was Trump's decision legitimate was it valid to can Comey okay, so when you say valid in other words, did trump did Trump have a legitimate cause to fire Comey? I would say yes, okay now, this whole special counsel thing spun out of control because they tried to create the illusion that because the president fired the FBI director, that could be obstruction of justice. Incidentally, Comey made it clear numerous times Trump wasn't under investigation himself, and even Mueller has communicated with Trump's team for what it's worth and said the president himself is not directly under investigation. Now, if you just park on that, that Mueller himself has admitted that Trump is not under any criminal investigation, then you'd have to ask you know what's the purpose, and I guess you could argue, well, you could say well, there's elements in his campaign that that may have that may have done illegal things but again, it goes back to what I said initially, you have to prove you have to prove two things first, you have to prove the collusion, and thus far again, yeah, some of some of the people Comey's indicted like you know the, this this uh you know russian company uh national Russian company. That was supposedly involved in hacking. It was absurd, and you could even argue Comey. Comey didn't want to really prosecute them because when they when they basically answered his bluff and wanted to testify in the states, then yeah, I am not Comey, then Mueller wanted to push off for more time and say no, we're not ready. So, how if Mueller's this brilliant investigator, brilliant prosecutor, after you? basically indict people. Don't you think you should be ready to uh, kind of meet them in court and charge them? And so, again, there's two aspects of it. Was there collusion? And if there was collusion, can you prove there was any demonstrable difference in the campaign due to the Russian influence? Now, a lot of people, and, you know, President Trump himself, as even said, you know, the Russians, the Russians were trying to do certain things. And, yeah, you know, a broad, that's a broad mission. You could argue, you know, there's a number of players that there's that there's, you know, different state actors, non state actors that were trying to do different things, you know, that, that argument could be made. However, it comes down to the fact that if someone was trying, were they successful? And once again, if they were successful, what were they successful at? Did it make any difference? And again, was their collusion? Now, I, w- I would argue that that there really wasn't a basis to appoint the special counsel. I think this was this was planned for quite some time in case Trump won. And I'll look at that. But what was on the? Yeah, you know, uh, let's look at. I'm going to play part of a video that uh, came out when Comey was uh, hitting the trail for his book. So this goes back to a few months ago, to April, and it's a uh, it's a brutal video. But it is uh, it is very interesting, though it is extremely interesting how much uh, was said in a few moments by uh, uh, Sarah uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. It was extremely interesting, extremely interesting what was said. And let me see if I key up that video here. Give me a moment.
3: Right through the blatant lies of a self-admitted leaker. This is nothing more than a poorly executed PR stunt by Comey to desperately rehabilitate his tattered reputation and enrich his own bank account by peddling a book that belongs in the bargain bin of the fixin section instead of being remembered as a dedicated servant in the pursuit of justice. Like so many of his other colleagues at the FBI, Comey will be forever known as a disgraced partisan hack that broke his sacred trust with the President of the United States, the dedicated agents of the FBI, and the American people he vowed to faithfully serve. One of the president's greatest achievements will go down as firing director James Comey. Comey's higher loyalty, it's pretty clear that it's only to himself. I think it's very clear that Comey has a credibility problem. The other thing is clear, this is one of the few issues in Washington that both Democrats and Republicans agree on. He's been criticized by the legal community for leaking sensitive information, and organizations promoting good government found Comey's leaking grounds for firing. President uh-huh. hasn't undermined them uh, in any capacity just because he calls out things that Uh, he finds to be problematic or concerning, I think that he should do that. If members of the FBI are leaking classified information, the president should absolutely call that to question. You guys spend hours upon hours every single day praising Jim Comey, propping him up, giving him the biggest platform. We shouldn't be praising him. We should be putting him down. We should be taking him off of air. One thing has nothing to do with the other, and every case should be reviewed on their own merits. Uh, pardoning Libby uh, was the
1: right thing to do after the principal all right then Sarah Huckabee Sanders went on to talk about President Trump pardoning Scooter Libby won't get into that not directly relevant but uh, you get the idea there's there's a rather a pronounced amount of animosity between President Trump and the administration and James Comey of course I could have keyed up some Comey videos when He's given interviews, even of the personal attacks on Trump. And, of course, you know, Trump has no problem insult- insulting people personally. That uh, came out – one of the funniest ones came out, I think, on the campaign trail. It's when he called uh, Rosie, uh, Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig. That was really nice. And I'm not sure he ever really said that uh, that was wrong, but uh, – as far as the personal stuff, Come, Comey's even said, you know, Trump, you can see the white line under his eyes because, yeah, he, because he was getting so much, uh, so much of the, uh, getting the, uh, suntans in the machines and all. Uh, <laughs> so, I uh, mean, so he talks about the fact that, you know, that, that makes, that makes Trump, uh, look bad because, uh, yeah, you know, he gets artificial tans and you can see the white lines on his eyes because, you know, you protect your eyes when you, when you do that type of thing. So, uh, yeah yeah the one thing the one thing she mentioned there, yeah, yeah, she said a whole lot in a few moments in attacking Comey, uh, was as far as the leaks. The leaks are matter of fact, and that alone would have been enough to fire him because he wasn't trusted. He had a very sensitive position. Now, again, if, if to see where I'm going, just because it was right to fire Comey, once again, that does not make Trump legitimate or good <laughs> but in this particular conflict i'd say yeah when when you you when you drill down yes yes it was i think it was the right decision the fire comey um you know there was there was numerous numerous reasons why it should Cheryl atkinson uh is uh investigative reporter, she had been with cbs and her story is interesting incidentally she if you look into her she was you know at the national media cbs national correspondent and if you are a legitimate investigative reporter, normally that is not compatible with working for a major news outlet because they only want to cover certain stories. So the idea, obviously an investigative reporter, the Mark Raker Raker type person would be, you're going to follow a story to wherever it goes. And she did, she did with vaccines and she found out, uh, CBS didn't want to cover the truth about vaccines among other things. But, uh, Atkinson. Now she's on her own after you know, she left CBS. She wrote a piece that ran in the Hill called uh Facts Continue Supporting Trump's Decision to Fire Comey." That was on April 15th, around the same time the video we just uh, heard from the White House, and it was very, very. That uh, was very informative. Again, to you know, to look back, you know, decisions made uh, just over a year ago to can Comey. Again, that goes back to. Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. So, she writes this piece April 15th of this year. She writes, Comey demonstrated bias or questionable judgment in selecting the man he trusted as his number two in February 2016. Andrew McCabe. Comey allowed McCabe to be involved in the FBI investigations into the Clinton Foundation and Clinton classified emails even though McCabe's wife had received large sums of money from Clinton interests, including those of then-Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe who was also under FBI investigation at the time. The FBI granted top Clinton staff immunity from prosecution, didn't record her interview, drafted an exoneration letter in advance of that interview, and ultimately excused Clinton's mishandling classified information as not being willful. That's mind-blowing, again, uh, especially when you look at the amount of classified information she was running, illegally running, sending classified information from a private server. As other people literally have, have done time, prison time, for just like, I mean, one email. Uh, you look at what happened with General Petraeus. General Petraeus was involved in the list affair, which, of course, I would never support. He was a married man involved with another woman. And what he did with that woman he was involved with is they would go online, and they wouldn't send emails. They would just they would put him in his drafts and both have access to that. The FBI got a hold of that. And to this day, I'm not sure, uh, and I'm not saying it's it's wasn't disclosed. I didn't see the reason. It may have been disclosed. Why the FBI or how the FBI got their hands on that? But they got that, and yeah, you know, General Petraeus. Then he was, uh, yeah, he was done. Yeah, his, his 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 career was done. He was in the Pentagon, I believe, and then uh, I know he he was CIA director. FBI hit on Petraeus, and that was basically some information they were saying in emails that weren't sent, but that she was sharing some of that, apart from the affair, sunk so him. Now, not that he did prison time. Other people have. So, to me, that shows that alone. If you only remember one thing from tonight, shows this. The mere fact that Hillary Clinton could run a, a private email server when she was Secretary of State, and share classified information on that that and and never be charged that just shows how corrupt the system is i mean that's uh, it's, to me again that's there's many examples where you get kind of a snapshot or a bird's eye view really you get a clear illustration a clear slap in the face for the public to say the whole system is is gone and that was one uh, Comey allowed McCabe's involvement in the Clinton-related investigations to continue until a week before the 2016 election. Only then did McCabe recuse himself after a Wall Street Journal article about the donations to McCabe's wife. Uh, top, and this this is the one I'd park on for a while. Top, this is reasons again, facts supporting Trump's decision to fire Comey by Sheryl Atkinson, Atkinson. Top FBI officials working under Comey conspired to develop an insurance plan. That was their words. That that was I believe an email and their text that uh, McCabe and others used. Top officials working under the Comey under the Comey conspired to develop an insurance plan in the event Trump were to be elected. One possible implication is they could not afford to have Trump officials poking around to what they or other US intelli- intelligence intel agencies have been doing over the years. The latter part I disagree with that, yeah, they couldn't afford to do that because again, the illustration of Hillary Clinton uh, if ever there was a need for a special prosecutor, it would have been to say why – you would have had really two two purposes for a special prosecutor to have been appointed. Number one, why wasn't Hillary Clinton? Uh, why wasn't she indicted? And number two, who was everyone who was involved in the FBI and the Department of Justice that waved the magic wand? that made that go away, because as I've already said, it's documented, it's not hearsay. Uh, the letter exonerating her was written even before she was interviewed. And, of course, her interview wasn't recorded. As far as interviews not being recorded of you know, people in high, powerful positions, that reminds me of the infamous secret interview of Dick Cheney and George W. Bush by the 9-11 Commission. If you don't remember, they were interviewed. And I can see if you forgot, because their interview was together it wasn't under oath, and it wasn't recorded. So there you go. That's how uh, that's how government works. You get to a certain point, you're a you're a made man, or in her case, Hillary's case, a made woman. What was that insurance plan? Uh, from what I see, and I can't prove this, but the insurance plan was the Russian dossier. Uh, the Russian dossier that really is the key document behind all of this. In other words, you can you can make a very very solid argument. If there was no Russian dossier, if yeah, fusion, GPS, and Steel, Christopher Steel, if that had never been produced, everything else being equal, there's no special prosecutor. There's no investigation, there's no collusion. But because that one document really triggered a series of events, so it would appear Again, I can't prove that. More may come out over time, but it would appear that insurance plan was the Russian dossier. In other words, the elements in the FBI, which are clearly uh, McCabe and Comey and others that were against Trump, uh, and the DOJ, and again, the FBI is under the DOJ, so it wasn't wasn't a rogue FBI operation by any stretch of the imagination. But... Those elements in the Department of Justice and the FBI that would clearly want to see Trump fail, the insurance plan was a dossier because they knew if they could float this, if it could be circulated and distributed, they could create this whole narrative as far as collusion again, twofold. Collusion of Trump with the Russians, or say first, the Russians interfered in the election. Okay? And other people admitted collusion. The Russians tried interfere so trying and doing is two separate things and again if they did it what was what was the effect what's the proof what's the evidence that made any difference then the other thing is okay you say if that happened then the other part of the dossier is well yeah, Trump was colluding Elements of Trump were colluding even though again Mueller has admitted Trump himself is not under criminal investigation so all you hear about obstruction of justice at this point would appear to be completely contrived and fantasy at this point. Yeah. So uh, I should have uh, should said this before. If uh, you are listening, if you want to call in, that number is 619-638-8559. 619-638-8559. I will get you on the air if you do choose to call in. was the dossier the insurance plan Again, we don't know i think it would point to that uh, what else happened with comey back then that, that caused trump to fire comey allowed mccabe's involvement in the clinton related investigations to continue into the link the week before the 2016 election only then did mccabe recuse himself after a wall street journal article about the donations to McCabe's wife. Okay, I said that while acknowledging the Steele dossier, as the Russian dossier containing salacious, Christopher Steele, contained salacious and unverified material, knowing it was produced with help from an ex-foreign spy, and understanding that it relied on primary sources who were said to be close to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Comey apparently did not open an investigation into this effort to impact the U.S. election and undermine the American president. And if you follow this, this story with the dossier, and why I think it's the insurance policy this is it's amazing that this that you know, all this stuff has come out. it was funded it went through a couple of mutations a lot of people have had their hands on it. The story goes like this I don't know if it was initially uh, it was don't know if it was either initially the DNC, the democratic National committee funded it, and then hillary Hillary's campaign funded it one or the other and then eventually got to the hands of the FBI, and the FBI thought they should continue working on it. So it's just – it's amazing. So, I mean, it's an undisput- – the facts are indisputable. The document's origin was funded with a political purpose by people that were trying to get Hillary elected. Uh, you don't hear that, in fact, rehearsed every day in the media. You just that, – that slips away. uh-huh Comey's FBI used a still dossier to justify wiretaps before and after the election on an American citizen who was a Trump associate without disclosing that the evidence was political opposition research paid for by Trump's opponent. This appears to be a violation of the FBI's wood procedures and possibly other policies. Comey testified that after he was fired from the FBI, he secretly engineered a leak of FBI material to the New York Times for the political goal of prompting appointment of a special counsel to investigate Trump. Voila. Again, that's why I say the insurance plan all along was the dossier. Come to, and again, you could argue if Trump didn't fire Comey, would the same thing have happened? Uh, I would guess, yeah, because there still would have been leaks. But but that, I think that expedited the process. Comey has publicly disclosed content of prior personal conversation with Trump, such as discussions about his wife's feelings. But that idea, again, that Comey testified that after he was fired from the FBI, he secretly, secretly engineered a link of FBI material to the New York Times, with the added political goal of prompting an appointment of a special counsel to investigate Trump, which is exactly what Rod Rosenstein in. So, it it's there. There's so much to that, but I think again, Trump was, you know, Trump was. Uh, Trump was justified in firing Comey. But again, so-called 2 wrongs make right. that does not, I repeat that does not mean, you know, Trump is real. That does not mean you know Trump is uh, a legitimate outsider. No, 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 again, Trump is part of the problem, but we see this we see this really internal conflict, you know, playing out before us. Again, you could argue too the whole thing was staged as possible because what's the outcome again? What, what what's going on to this point? We argue about this, and the painting it as left versus right. There was there was a, a hearing just this past week, a few days ago, may have been may have been yesterday, and you had uh, Trump had asked for this because Congress, particularly the Republicans, you know, left versus right. Republicans have been pushing and pushing and pushing the DOJ to release documents that they haven't released. And then when it came out about this guy, Halper, Stephen Halper, being uh, an FBI informant and spy on the Trump campaign, Trump won the Rangers meeting with with those congressmen, and the DOJs find out exactly what has happened again, yet again. It's been asked many times, when are they going to get the documents? And the Democrats fought, and they got in. But again, it's being painted again as left versus right. The Democrats leave that meeting and they say, There's no evidence that anyone spied on the, on the, on Trump. And we'll look at how at uh, we'll look at Halper and uh the New York Times says uh he was an informant, he wasn't a spy. Okay, when you use the, the word informant it's like if you know, police use what they call confidential informant, what's the purpose of a confidential informant? Okay, you get someone who basically pre-friends or gets to know people that are under investigation. You gain their confidence, confidential informant. They don't know why you know, you're around them. You get information, and you report it back to the police. So that's confidential informants, informants, uh, informants spy on people to get information. So, so the idea that Halper wasn't a spy, that an informant wasn't a spy, again, it's uh, it's absurd. Atkinson wrote another piece: eight signs pointing to a counterintelligence operation deployed against our Trump's campaign. That came out this past week. Eight signs pointing to a counterintelligence operation deployed against Trump's campaign, and you know that that also that also was a very very good piece. Uh, she ran through those and she basically said, uh, why, what do we have? Okay, she, she opened up for a piece like this: it may be true that President Trump illegally conspired with Russia and was so good at covering it up, he's managed that with our best intel and media minds who searched for irreducible evidence for two years. And, you know, we still await Special Counsel Mueller's findings. But there's a growing appearance of alleged wrongdoing equally as insidious, if not more so, because it implies widespread misuse of America's intelligence and law enforcement apparatus. Here are eight signs pointing to a counterintelligence op deployed against Trump for political reasons. Okay, code name. The operation reportedly had at least one code name that was leaked to the New York Times, Crossfire Hurricane. And that comes, if you don't know already, that comes from a Rolling Stone song. Okay. Wiretap fever. Secret surveillance was conducted on no fewer than seven Trump, uh, on seven Trump associates. Chief Strategist Stephen Bannon, who's now gone. Lawyer Michael Cohen, uh, who uh, if you didn't follow that, uh, different elements. Not just Mueller has gone after him; he's been charged in federal court. Uh, National Security Advisor Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, first casualty. Advisor and son-in-law Jared Kushner, who's still around. Campaign Chairman Paul Manafort, who's gone, who's been charged in a campaign form. Policy advisors Carter Page and George Papadopoulos, both of them, been charged. The FBI reportedly applied for a secret warrant in June 2016 to monitor Manafort, Page, Papadopoulos, and Finn. Flynn, if true, it means the FBI targeted Flynn six months before his much-debated conversation with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislak. The FBI applied four times to wiretap to wire Page after he became a Trump campaign advisor starting in 2016. Uh, national Security Letters, another controversial tool reportedly used by the FBI to obtain phone records and other documents in the investigation were national security letters which bypass judicial approval. Unmasking, identifying protected names of Americans captured by government surveillance was frequently deployed by at least four top Obama officials who have subsequently spoken out against Trump. James Clapper, former Director of National Intelligence, Samantha Power, former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Susan Rice, former National Security Advisor, and Sally Yates, former Deputy Attorney General. Names of Americans caught communicating with monitored, court communicating with monitored foreign targets must be masked or hidden within government agencies, so names cannot be misused or shared. However, it's been revealed that power made near daily unmasking requests in 2016. And take that another step, okay? The way the FISA court system whole those one other aspect of the story. A lot of this involves FISA courts, Foreign Intelligence Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance, Surveillance Act. A lot of this involves the FISA courts and how FISA warrants are obtained. If those FISA warrants were legitimate, again, who, what was the basis for those warrants being issued? In other words, who, what were the foreign entities they were talking to or someone else? And this, again, goes back to the basis behind the uh, the Russian dossier, the Steele dossier, Christopher Steele Fusion GPS. It's political motivation. So it's politically motivated. So FISA courts, again, I'd, I'd be against it because you, know, you shouldn't have secret warrants. There's a way to keep, them, to keep them confidential, obviously, for a while, but not forever. All right? Okay? However... The American public would would like to know, I think, uh, some of us would like to know, if any warrants, not just beyond the current Trump, uh, Trump situation, uh, if any warrants are being issued, uh, what's, what's the legal basis if you are going to spy on someone? Uh, Media strategy, this one's really interesting, as she brought out. Former CIA director John Brennan and Clapper, two of the most in, in, integral intel, intel officials in the ongoing controversy, have joined national news organizations where they have regular opportunities to shape the news narrative, including on the very issues under investigation. <laughs> Clapper reportedly leaked salacious political opposition research against Trump to CNA in fall of t- 2017 and later was hired as CNN political Consult political analyst James Clapper, and who's lied you know, numerous times to Congress. Incidentally, in February, Brennan was hired as paid analyst for MSNBC. So, yeah, let that sink in. Yeah, former, former uh, intelligence officials. Then, okay, CIA director Brennan and Clapper are there on TV, fairly regular basis, just. You know, continually trashing Trump and the administration, and talking about things that are under investigation. And if, if the media was real, and it's not, and the media is part of the problem to play is against each other, left versus right, how could you basically have those guys on, and not constantly have someone on, to try and refute them? But again, we know, the, goal, the position again, yeah the basis of all this is to keep us divided, it's not not to basically solve things. Keep us divided and distracted. That is the goal. That's the goal of the media. Oh. Friends, informants and snoops. The FBI I'm gonna spend some time at this point here. The FBI reported the use one time CIA operator Stefan Halper. In 2016, as an informant to spy on Trump's officials. <laughs> uh, the Halper guy, this Halper guy, and more and more has come out almost every day on Halper. Halper's an American expat, lives in the UK. Uh, he was Cambridge professor. I don't know if he's emeritus he now. Uh, but he clearly was being used. It's, uh, it's undeniable. He was used by the FBI to then spy on people in the Trump campaign, even after Trump was elected, that's come out, even after Trump was elected. So again, you let that sink in, and if you want to play the game that the New York Times and others have on the so-called so-called neoliberal defense that, oh, no, no, he wasn't a spy, he was an informant, ask yourself then, if the FBI is using someone as an informant to gain information with, you know, not saying why, they're, they're trying to gain information, uh, how is that not simply spying or surveillance? What is a confidential informant? But Ben Swan of Reality Check, and again you go Truth and Media, it's truth and media dot com. He did he did a nice piece and he runs these reality checks all the time. Uh, ben Swan, you look at him, he got politically and he changed his political mindset once he got exposed to Ron Paul. A lot of good good benefits of uh what Ron Paul did when he was in office. But Ben Swan ran this reality check I'm going to play, FBI spy embedded in the Trump campaign. and This deals with with Halper, and again, more is coming out about Halper every day.
2: The, The FBI planted a spy in the Trump campaign? Turns out that claim is true, but the story is so much deeper than that. Who that spy has turned out to be? a man with CIA connections who has inserted himself into presidential campaigns before, and the fact that the DOJ has fought to keep his identity a secret is completely reshaping what we know about this investigation into Russian meddling. This is a reality check you won't get anywhere else.
0: Reality check with Ben Swann, powered by Dash Digital
2: Cash. The investigation into a possible connection between Russia and the Trump campaign just took a dramatic twist with reports confirming the use of an FBI informant embedded within the Trump campaign in the run of the 2016 election. In a tweet Friday, President Trump wrote, Reports are there was indeed at least one FBI representative implanted for political purposes into my campaign for president. It took place very early on, and long before the phony Russia hoax became a hot fake news story. If true, all-time biggest political scandal. The Department of Justice and several spokespersons for the FBI did not deny that a spy had been embedded in the Trump campaign, but they described the individual as an informant. Turned out he is much more than that. So, who was that informant exactly, and what makes the fact that he was personally embedded in the Trump campaign even more concerning? His name is Stephen Halper, and according to The Intercept, Halper was responsible for a long forgotten spying scandal involving the 1980 election, in which the Reagan campaign using CIA officials managed by Halper reportedly under the direction of former CIA director and then vice presidential candidate George H.W. Bush, got caught running a spying operation from inside the Carter administration. The plot involved CIA operatives passing classified information about Carter's foreign policy to Reagan campaign officials in order to ensure the Reagan campaign knew of any foreign policy decisions that Carter was considering. So while the DOJ has intentionally painted a picture of this informant as some sort of super-secret, high-level, covert intelligence asset... He's actually not. He's an informant who has worked in Washington for years, providing information to the CIA. At this point, we know that Halper met with three Trump campaign advisors in 2016, George Papadopoulos, who Halper contacted, offering him $3,000 to write a policy paper on issues related to Turkey, Cyprus, Israel, and the Leviathan natural gas field. He offered to pay for Papadopoulos' flight and three-night stay in London. Well, Papadopoulos completed the project, and he was paid for it. But it's what happened while Papadopoulos was in London that's of interest from the Daily Caller. According to a source with knowledge of the meeting, Halper asked Papadopoulos, George, you know about hacking the emails from Russia, right? Halper also met with Trump aide Carter Page at a July 2016 symposium held at Cambridge regarding the upcoming election. And Page told the Daily Caller News Foundation that the pair remained in contact for several months. So at least three Trump aides were contacted by Halper. Two of those aides have been under FBI investigation, and one of those aides has pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. So what you need to know is that if we look at Halper in the course of presidential politics and history, then we know that he was part of one of the largest attempts ever for the CIA to push their former director to become president. When George H.W. Bush ran for president, Halper was a foreign policy aide. Now, as The Intercept points out, in 1980, the Washington Post published an article reporting on the extremely unusual and quite aggressive involvement of the CIA in the 1980 presidential campaign. The CIA had never before backed a presidential and then vice presidential candidate so openly as it did with George H.W. Bush. That is not until 2016 when the former CIA officials publicly and aggressively backed Hillary Clinton. Former acting CIA director Michael Morelli publicly endorsed Clinton in the New York Times. George W. Bush's CIA director and NSA director, General Michael Hayden, he called Trump a clear and present danger. It was very clear where the CIA stood on this presidential campaign in 2016. Reality check here. The secret informant the FBI used in 2016 is not some top-secret asset whose identity needed to be protected. Instead, it is a well-known CIA informant whose role in a clearly unethical and possibly illegal spying effort during the 1980 election is very well known. That's reality check. Let's talk about that right now on social media.
1: Again, the great Ben Swan, Truth in Media. That reality check, FBI spying bit in the Trump campaign. There's uh, there's a lot more. I mean, <laughs> Ben Swan said a lot. There's a lot more to uh, to Halper than uh, than what even uh, than what Swan said, because more has come out. A lot more has come out. Zero Hedge. Uh, we don't know exactly who runs Zero Hedge. It's got some massive presence on the web. I forget in uh, in terms of all websites, how far up it's, it's in the top 200, but. Uh, Supposedly, what Zero Hedge was started by some people, the Wall Street insiders, when they realized the system was rigged. Then uh, they're uh, fighting for the people now. But uh, the article I'm gonna I'm gonna mention now is called FBI informant. This is from May 22nd. FBI informant Stephan Halper paid over one million dollars by the Obama administration, spied on Trump eight after election. The uh, pen name, pseudonym of uh, Zero Hedge, main one is Tyler Durden. If you don't recognize that name, that's uh, from uh, Fight Club, and they even have a little picture there of uh, and uh, the actor from Fight Club, who's Tyler Durden. But uh, this one piece, to show you how massive uh, the massive reaches of Zero Hedge, how big it is, this one piece has been shared over 61,000 times. Less than a week after Stephen Halper was out as the FBI informally infiltrated Trump campaign, public records reveal that the 73 year old Oxford University professor and former U.S. government official was paid handsomely by the Obama administration starting in 2012 for various research projects. A longtime CIA and FBI asset, who once reportedly ran a spy operation on the Jimmy Carter administration, Halper was enlisted by the FBI to spy on several Trump campaign aides during the 2016 U.S. election. Meanwhile, a search of public records reveal that between 2012 and 2018, Halper received a total of $1,058,161 from the Department of Defense. So, you know what was, you know what was a professor. How is that professor gaining over a six-year period? How is he gaining over a million dollars from the Department of Defense? What services did he provide? Helper's contracts are funded through four annual award awards paid directly out of the Pentagon's Office of Net Assessment, ONA, Pentagon's Office of Net Assessment. You always find out just how big the, the Pentagon is. Established as the DOD's internal think DOD's Foreign Defense's internal think tank in 1973 by Richard Nixon whose administration helped work for. The ONA, again, the Pentagon's Office of Net Assessment, was run by foreign policy, policy strategist Andrew Marshall from inception until his 2015 retirement at the age of 93, after which he was succeeded by current director James H. Baker. And you go to that Zero Hedge piece and you can see on the contracts there are laid out. This is uh, it's very interesting how this type of information gets disseminated, how it goes how how it becomes a public. Zero hedge again is, you know, clearly be part of the new media. I'd like to use that phrase new media as opposed to alternative media as the uh traditional media, corporate media, mainstream media continues to die. But what you'll you'll see happen repeatedly is what happened with this Zero Hedge piece. The information they got, which is public record about how we're being paid this money, and as Ben Swan said, this wasn't a mole. This wasn't wasn't a guy who was top secret. Uh, The guy's been a political operative for years, ties to the CIA, ties to the FBI, uh, arguably ties to British intelligence. But the people that found this, that did the grunt work, so to speak, that did the research. This is a site I never heard of called ProHeat, and yeah, they got they got a hat tip. They got recognized by Zero Hedge. This is how, when you look at how a lot of stories develop, you'll have independent researchers, sites like ProHeat, people that right, you know, that do sites like ProHeat. They'll produce legitimate independent research. You'll get the bigger players like Zero Hedge and alternative media the new media, pick it up. And then, if it's big enough, it can't be, then the mainstream media is forced to address it. And you see this happen over and over again. So Hopper there received uh, $411, over $411,000 in two payments. And starting on September 26, 2016, three days after September 23rd Yahoo News article by Michael Isakoff about Trump aide Carter Page which used information fed to Isakov by the Russian dossier creator Christopher Steele, the FBI—this is this is mind-blowing part—the FBI would use the Yahoo article along with the unverified Russian dossier as supporting evidence in a FISA warrant for, FISA warrant application for Page. So, did you get that? Okay. So Halper gets awarded uh, 400, over $411,000 in two payments, starting on September 26, 2016. That was three days after September 23rd Yahoo News article by Michael Iscoff about Trump aide Carter Page, which used information fed to Iskoff by Russian dossier creator Christopher Steele. The FBI uses that public Yahoo article, along with the unverified Russian dossier, as supporting evidence in issuing a FISA, a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant, application for PAGE. Okay. Do, you see, uh, do you see a little bit of a problem here as far as the whole basis of this investigation? And it goes back to what Atkinson had reported and others. When those emails and their texts came out, uh, whether it was McCabe or someone under him, they said, we've got insurance policy in case Trump gets elected. Does that all make kind of sense now? Halper approached Page during the Election Day Conference at Cambridge on July 11, 2016, six weeks after September 26th, DOD's award start date. The two would stay in contact for the next 14 months, frequently meeting and exchanging emails. And Halper also had a decades old association with Paul Manafort. He used that to break the ice with Page. <laughs> and uh, again, there was communication. There was surveillance, you say, informing after the election, too, as informing after the election. This is interesting. You have one, you have one, uh, one uh, reporter, Jack Pasolbik. I could probably show his name, but he, he had a great tweet when this came out, July 2017, two days after receiving a payment from the federal government. Stefan Halper emailed card Page asking about internal White House staff. Okay. And Halper's July 28th email to Page sent two days after the second portion of his contract kicked in suggests the espionage operation against Trump Associates was still active seven months into the new administration. So, really interesting. I mean, seven months in, they're trying, if the investigation is about this alleged Russian collusion-related matters, it's you know, still going strong, no end in sight. You know, what's uh what's been found, you know, what's uh, what's been produced yet. <laughs> so these uh, those contacts are notable. Uh, uh, those contacts from us, this is great zero-hedge piece. And again, you know, Trump then tweeted, tweeter-in-chief then said, when this came out, I hereby demand, and we'll do so officially tomorrow, that the Department of Justice look into whether or not the FBI, DOJ infiltrated or surveilled the Trump campaign for political purposes and if any such for political purposes and if any such demands or requests are made by people within the Obama administration. Again that resulted in the meeting this week, I believe yesterday with uh, you know congressional leaders with DRJ and FBI Pete, that war those meetings were classified. So the saga the uh, so called Russian investigation continues, uh, there's really there's not an end in sight. Uh, trump 's gone through his own uh legal counsel team uh he's flipped those people around just like in his administration Yeah, uh, that 's trump 's style i guess i uh, the the thing to remember whether we are talking about his legal team or whether we 're talking about uh his administration the uh, the script kind of remains the same uh, that's thing to say the the, the script doesn 't really change he just changes the pieces on the chessboard. You know, whether it's Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, or Mike Pompeo, you know the uh, the same agenda, the same agenda is continuing. So what what do we make all this? I call this episode the Deep State divided, the Deep State divide. Trump versus the FBI. The Deep State divided. The narrative you're getting fed, okay, if, if you follow general, in general, in general, right wing, yeah, right or center news, who is that? Uh, the deep state, these are deep, this is a deep state against Trump. Uh, Trump is real. Trump's a patriot. Uh, Trump's playing everyone around him. And these are deep state agents left over from the Obama administration. And they're going to do everything they can to, uh, thwart Trump to, uh, to try and get Trump out of the way to, uh, defeat Trump. Okay. Uh, I don't buy that. This is, this is the real, this is the real conflict. Uh, this is my takeaway. Uh, the real conflict is not the so-called d state versus Trump. It's one faction of the deep state that opposes Trump versus the faction of the deep state that supports Trump. Okay, and let's not forget the deep state faction that supports Trump. The supports Trump won. Trump was elected. Okay, and again, no one really gets elected to president. They really get selected. Uh, I hate to burst your bubble. You know, I've said that before. It's really selection, it's not an election. Trump would not have won unless the deep state wanted him there. So what we see, you say, well, is this conflict real? It's real insofar as this. Does Trump have political enemies uh, in, in obviously, the Democratic Party? Would other yeah, neoliberal people in the media, yeah, of course, CNN, who Trump despises, are the people that want to see Trump go away? Of course, that's real. Of course, does Trump have people... In the Republican Party, that would like him to go away. Of course, You know, Arizona Senator Jeff Flake, others, Corker from Tennessee, of course, many people within the Republican Party despise Trump. And you could say uh, different angles and different elements or different perspectives than never-Trump people. You have Ben Sass, a uh, senator from uh, Nebraska, who's allegedly a Christian, allegedly born again. But there's a lot of people, there's a lot of opposition, in and outside of Trump's own party against him. But don't be fooled. This is not the deep state versus Trump. This is deep state factions that oppose Trump versus deep state factions that support Trump. And remember, the deep state factions that support Trump, they won. They were victorious. He's in the White House, not Hillary. Not Hillary. What Ben Swann said was very, very relevant as far as the CIA In the past, having supported George H.W. Bush, who incidentally was director of central intelligence. And that's one of the main reasons why that was probably the dirtiest political family ever in the White House, the Bush family. But it's very clear the CIA wanted Hillary to win. That faction of the deep state, they lost. So what we see playing now, again, is not the deep state versus Trump. It's the deep state elements. That oppose Trump versus the deep state elements that support Trump. Now, where's it going to end? Uh, I'm not sure. But one thing I'm sure of this: the the game continues. Okay, if Trump were to resign, which I don't see, I don't see happening. If you were to get impeached, I don't see the Senate voting in the matter of office. I don't see it happening. Even if you know the Democrats you know win the rigged, the rigged midterm elections, I don't see that happening. But let's say that let's say Trump goes away for whatever reason. You have to ask yourself, what clear-cut difference would exist in government? You you just flip the script. If someone else, okay, I forget, in terms of of the chain of command there, who would be president next? Uh, Ask yourself this question. If Hillary were president today, what policy difference would be different? What major policy difference would be different? If you haven't noticed, if you didn't get the memo, uh, we didn't build the wall between the U.S. and Mexico, and Mexico's not paying for it. Okay, No money, not a dollar, has been allocated to build that wall. Okay, Don't be deceived. Not a dollar. They've allocated money to support and reinforce existing fences and barriers in the border. No new money has been allocated for that, and Mexico's not going to pay for it anyhow. Trump's flipped on the dreamers. I did a whole show on that. You know, Trump said, no amnesty. Then he was for amnesty for the dreamers. Uh, during the election, he talked a good deal. Talked very tough against Hillary. People chanted at his uh, rallies, "Lock her up!" Yeah, you know, he agreed. Yeah, you know, he agreed with that. Once he was elected, you know, he immediately said, "No, you just—I forget the exact words." He says, you just—we're not going to go there. No, we're not going to go there." In spite of the crimes, I mean, again, if you were going to—if you're going to say there need to be a special. Prosecutor appointed. It would be for why? Why wasn't Hillary charged? Yeah. In other words, look at look at all the people in the DOJ and FBI to let her skate. Those are the people that should be under investigation. And Trump, and Trump, up to this point, he's flirted with the idea, but that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So this is uh, this is the political reality we're in. There is always. There's always the temptation to say everything is staged. But, again, in the end, ask yourself, if someone else was different in office now, would anything be different? We still have Obamacare. The Republicans control the House. They control the Senate. They control the White House. Why do we still have Obamacare? This is is the political reality. Don't let them fool you. They like to divide us. Again, I know left versus right is false. It's even easy for me. It's, easy, it's very easy for me to get distracted, get sucked into this, because it is, it's so ridiculous. It's so egregious that they continue to spin this story about collusion, which, again, even if it was there, how was the election affected? It's just ridiculous. And then they go after Manafort. Mueller goes after Manafort. The Ukraine. The Ukraine is not Russia. It's a separate country. It had nothing to do with the election. They go after Manafort. This is stuff even more than federal federal justice. They go after Manafort for stuff that happened years before the election. So it's easy to get distracted. Okay. Always remember when there's a big story, think about what do they want you. You know what do they want you to think? How do they want you to react? And, uh, yeah, what's, what's the real issues? You've been listening to the KRP radio show last Friday night of the month with your guest host, Rocco P. Once again, I thank Pudgy Miller for the opportunity to use his platform. Lord willing, I will be back next month. And uh, the last Friday night of the month in June will be June 29th listen you've been listening to K R P Radio, showkeeping a real Pudgy Miller. Thank you much.